0: And I'm looking good. Oh, yeah, baby. Okay, let's go. Welcome to The Writer and the Critic, a monthly podcast devoted mostly to books, reviews, and whatever else takes our fancy. I'm with my co-host, Kirsten McDermott, and this is episode 88.
1: Oh, dear God. (laughs) I'm not going to let you run them anymore.
0: (laughs) Why not? I just did it at the end, the silly voice, okay? Okay. It's my plummy tones, How are you going, Kirsten? I'm good. You haven't introduced yourself. Oh, who am I? Ian Mond. There you go. Uh, But I'm known well and far, you know.
1: (laughs) I like well and far. Yeah. (laughs) No one nearby, just everyone far away knows you well, and everyone nearby just runs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, the story of my life.
1: Story of your life.
0: Oh, dear. I've Why didn't we do the podcast last week? It was something to do with me. I can't remember what my problem was.
1: I don't – you never told oh, me. Oh, yes.
0: No, I do. It was uh, It was double vaxing my kids. That was what it was. Ah.
1: Uh-huh. So they're double vaxed now.
0: My entire family is boosted or vaxed in Protected some way.
1: against the new Omicron variant B75AX or whatever the hell we're calling it now.
0: Yeah. Oh. It's, it's either the sister, the cousin, the mother – of Omicron, it just it gets confusing. But they, they, I mean, if you read the studies, kids aren't protected at all. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but but what's good though? I mean, look, touchwood and all that. But um, the schools the school's been pretty good. Uh, there's been cases, but it hasn't been terrible yet.
1: It, you know, it's only taken a couple of. Um, possibly speaking just for myself, but it's only taken a couple of other massive worldwide events for me to go. COVID, what? Is that still here? (laughs) Yes. It's like for those those who who may not know, we've had serious um, lethal flooding in our northern eastern states, so Queensland, lower Queensland and northern New South Wales. Um, Devastating, absolutely devastating floods. And then, of course, there's um, the war in Ukraine. So it seems like COVID is like, I'm still here. We're like, shut up, COVID. We have more important things. All right, I'll make a new variant. Then shut up, COVID. We still have more important things.
0: Also, as been pointed out by a few people, to have two paradigm-shifting events in the space of a couple of years—being COVID and the oh. war in Ukraine—is just it's 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 all going I, fast forward.
1: I well, and I I'm unlike I'm, one of
0: the book. Unlike one of the books we're about to discuss, it's all going in fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> but because and let's let's not talk about disaster or. Tragedy or COVID, not not to under diminish what's happened over the last month, but let's not talk about it too much, a because this is not the sort of podcast we do, and b because I might just start sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> That's not.
1: Oh, that like maybe next month we could just have an episode of where we both just sob uncontrollably. I actually think there's a market for that. It's it's like related to.
0: Um, ASMR, AS, cool. yeah,
1: exactly, and and people would just, really. No, 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 no. I'm saying it's like it's in that space where I think people would just actually really like to have a podcast where for 90 minutes two people just sob and then they can sit at home and sob as well. <laughs> Email us if you'd like us to do that.
0: Is is that like there's a market for the woman who puts her farts in in, in, in bowls and not in in uh, Yeah, did you read that article? The woman no who, who's got this. These followership and she she stores her farts in these glass um, like uh, jars, jars. Yeah, sorry, yeah, glass jars, and and makes makes 40, fifty thousand What food. sends them to people? Yeah, and and she went to hospital because she over farted. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making this story up. This is this is a this is a real thing. So and so I, Ian, I the,
1: think I think we're living in the end times.
0: <laughs> correct. If the, if there's a market for farts in a jar. Then there's a market for us uncontrolling uncontrol me for ninety minutes. Okay.
1: However, it's, that is not this podcast because we would need to prepare for that and be very hydrated.
0: Do you know how she prepares for the farting in the jar?
1: I don't know if I want to know.
0: <laughs> she eats apparently lots of Indian food beforehand, which is just that's that's in the article too. Okay. That's there. You go.
1: Well, I yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we were just going to leave that one on the table.
0: Let's uh, <laughs> let's move on to uh, the books, neither of which have uh, jars or farts in them. Well, they might have jars. Anyway.
1: I think they don't have jar farts. Oh, my, I can't believe this is what we're talking about in the first few minutes of the podcast.
0: <laughs> the two books are The Witchel by Tana French and by Phantoms by Gwendolyn <laughs> Riley. Uh, <laughs> um, so you chose uh, The Tana French. Witch yes. elm would you like to read the back of the cover thing Blurred? sure,
1: so this is the cover copy from the Witch Elm. Toby is a happy-go-lucky charmer who's dodged a scrape at work and is celebrating with friends when the night takes a turn that will change his life. He surprises two burglars who beat him and leave him for dead. Struggling to recover from his injuries, beginning to understand that he... And I'm looking good. Oh,
0: yeah, baby. Really okay, let's go. ancestral
1: home to care for his dying Uncle Hugo. Then a skull is found in the trunk of an elm tree in the garden, and as detectives close in, Toby is forced to face the possibility that his past may not be what he has always believed. The Witch Elm asks what we become and what we're capable of when we no longer know who we are. And that's a book I'd really like to read.
0: So so can I caveat all this? Because we're possibly going to go to town on this book, and I want to caveat by saying that there is a strong uh, fan following for Tana French's work. And this is a standalone book. So I've not read Tana French before. This is my first exposure to her work. Um, But obviously I haven't read the Dublin Murders books. I think that's what it's called, the Dublin Murders um which is the series uh that started many many years ago i think it's been seven i think she's written about 10 books and there's been seven or eight in that series
1: i think i think there's six in the okay. the dublin murder squad series uh, which i've not read either
0: yeah but i think we need a caveat because I could see people right now listening to this podcast going, oh, yeah, but that's not one of the better ones. You should have read the one of the Dublin Murder Squad books instead because that's a really good stuff and blah, blah. And I can already hear that and I sort of feel that because when I posted about this um, on Twitter and Facebook, people were already starting to send that message through and I got, yeah, okay, all right, fair enough, um, understood, however, caveat.
1: However, as with all the books we read, we are reviewing this book, and we're not reviewing the author as a whole. The, no, no book we read is meant to be indicative of that author's
0: oeuvre. True, true. But I do feel that if you're a big fan of an author like French who has a huge following, you, you this is the sort of thing you'll take personally and <laughs> feel that we may be attacking her entire oeuvre, but we're not. You're right, we're only attacking this book. And yes. Attacking we're is about- a very strong. Well word okay. Made. So so again, the second caveat I would make <laughs> <laughs> before I go into <laughs> the book, is that I think actually it's her writing is I think really not really good. I, I, I'm, I'm you didn't think so, clearly, that's, but that's I do. Damn
1: me I what? Don't put don't words know. in my mouth. Well, you, well, Do can, not set the Tana of French army on me. I can to deflect I can see from it yourself.
0: It. I think she's. I think. I think. I think. Okay, maybe it sounds patronising, and I pro, and I apologise in advance. But I, I think there's the, the quality of prose is high. There's. I mm. don't think. I don't think that's unquestionable. I just think. Oh my god! It took me three weeks to read this book. Three yeah. weeks. Yeah. It also, is two hundred and twenty
1: with me. Yeah. It felt. It felt like and. Part of, I guess, is reading it on the Kindle so you don't have a, a physical impression of your progress. I mean, it says, you know, percentage or pages or whatever, but it's not the same as holding a book and seeing how much you've read and how much you have left. And this book just, honestly, every time I picked it up, it was like the infinite book. It's like, oh my God, there's like, there's still as much to go. There's still as much to go as there was last
0: time, it seems. So can I say a few things about the Kindle? Because I read it on that too. Yeah. It's noted as being a 515 page book, yeah. but actually that's the hardcover length, as mm-hmm. I've determined, and it's probably if you had a paperback, it would be if you had about 250 to 300 words. I'm, I'm sorry, it'd be closer <laughs> to 700 to 800 pages because it is about nearly quarter of a million words.
1: It is well, so it, is, when, it is a long
0: book. It's yeah. not a short book. Just no, when when
1: when Kindle gave me the the reading time at being almost 12 hours, I was like what? <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> Surely not. Yeah, at least, at least, at least.
0: So it, it, it was a book that I just felt I can't be bothered reading at times. I, I, there were days I went without reading it because it just.
1: This would, would, I mean, if not, if her writing had been any less um I guess, like the, the writing itself on a sentence level, any less engaging, I would have abandoned this book. <laughs> I possibly would have abandoned it anyway if it wasn't a podcast book, just because it it just, there was bits about it I I really liked. There was um, parts, I mean, her, her writing is beautiful. She has these wonderful turns of phrase, her dialogue is just fantastic. You, you can hear, you can hear people speaking like this. It's not just dialogue on a page. You know, she, you, you can hear the, um, you know, the idiosyncrasies in their, in their dialogue. The, she, she pays great attention to the way people speak differently in terms of their vocab and, and their sentence structure and so on. It, it's, the dialogue's really lovely. You know, there's a lot of veracity to the dialogue. Um, which which I loved, and as I said on a sentence level, the prose is really really evocative and engaging. But the story and the protagonist for me were were not engaging, and it it felt to me just so long, so long, so long, with not much happening. And when I say not much happening, it doesn't have to be plot. There just didn't seem to be much happening on any level. Like it just was so drawn out and so long, and often felt like it was belabouring its thematic points. You know, there's a really good book in here. <laughs> it needs to be about at least two-thirds the length that currently is. But I, I appreciated what she was doing. I just, well, to be honest, I, so I think she wrong-footed herself from the very start. Like it's in, it's told in retrospect, so it's a first-person yeah. narrative and um, it is told, we don't know exactly, but some years, some years after the uh, the. The quote unquote present day events of the book unfold. So Toby's attack, his sojourn at the Ivy House, which is where his uncle Hugo lived. All of that is, is the 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 front story of the book, and then you have a backstory that's revealed in the in the second half of the book, what, what actually happened when they were teenagers and young adults, which sort of underpins this mystery of the, the skull slash eventually body that they find in the witch elm. But all of that is told from some years after Toby's uh, attack. Um, He seems to have, well, he's certainly recovered his um, memory and his articulation and his ability to to go through time in a linear fashion and his understanding of himself enough to write a fucking 800-page novel, um, (laughs) memoir, biography in in the context of the the work of fiction we're reading. And I think maybe that's French has been wrong-footed from the start because of that. That takes away so much of what might have been uh, the narrative drive of the book, because we know Toby yes. has not only like nothing's happened to him, and in fact he has recovered substantially from his attack and from yes. the the events of this these few months that the book's about. Uh, we, we know he's not estranged from his two cousins because in the very like in the beginning kind of prologue-y bit, he he talks to both of them on the phone, and they're both like not surprised to hear from him and happy to hear from him. So all of this stuff is. Like when you get to these parts in the book, which is about whether the cousins trust each other and whether who did what and what, what, what who might be responsible for what dark deeds and, and is, is Toby going to find a sense of himself again and, and so on, none of that's a mystery because we know up front that none of these people are in jail, none of these people killed each other, none of these people hate each other and are completely estranged. There wasn't a, a massive schism driven through the family over this any more than they already had been. So so none of that is there. Like we already know that some of the mysteries that the book sets up, we know the answer to them already.
0: And that whole, what you've just described there, undercuts probably the key conceit of the novel, which is it's a, a novel written, it's a technically an unreliable narrator mm. novel written from a person. Well, who's wondering whether they're unreliable. They're, yeah. it's, it's the narrator who's not being a, a, uh, actively unreliable, they're thinking, crap, am I an unreliable narrator, which is a lovely idea. It but is, it's, but... it's you undercut know. by, you're right, all that it's starts. It's
1: completely undercut and... And it's not just like a prologue that is kind of um, appended to the book and then you you half forget about it while you're reading it because all the way through the book, Toby, the narrator, is saying, oh, what I didn't know then was blah, blah, yes. blah, or I was to find out later, blah, 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 or I know now that or I can see now. Or, or, so you're constantly being reminded that this is a story being told to you several years after the event by, by a person who has, uh, significantly recovered from the trauma. Well, not the trauma, but the, I guess the, his, his injuries to, ser- to a certain extent and his life is, is going on. Um, you do get, I guess the coder at the end when he tells you, uh, you know, how is currently living, which is not great in terms of his stability and his sense of security and safety as a person. But that is like, so right at the end and you don't, you don't get that impression through the book, which I think maybe we should have um I don't know it's it's a very strange structural choice, I think for for this book, and if we had had not had that opening uh which you know does seem to be doing all the the things of setting up this mystery because we're being told very vague things, you know oh that the things that happened that summer or or when we found the skull or you know. So it's setting up these little things to to go. Oh, what skull or what events or what happened that night? But I don't think we we needed that. I mean, it could have been told without any of the 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 um. I guess the framing around this memoir.
0: It could have been told from within the story. I also wonder whether we actually even needed the first third, which is the, the, essentially the lead up to Toby getting the shit kicked out of him. His house is robbed. And uh, two, two, two people come in, burglars come in, and, and just really badly hurt him. I mean, not, yeah, not, you hospitalized,
1: know, really. in a coma, almost yeah. died, very, very significant injuries. And,
0: and, and when I was reading, I thought, oh, this is a really interesting slow burn of a novel. And I like how she's not getting to the core until very late. Like she's, she's letting us slowly get to know Toby. And this is what's happened to him that. And then as I, as I started getting to the halfway mark, I thought, did we actually ever why did we have that first third and the way french sort of tries to get around it is to is to link the skull in the tree to toby's paranoia about being attacked so so and and, and he's drawing re- paranoid lines between the burglary and the skull with his cousins when it's clearly nonsensical i mean you're reading it knowing, well, that can't, there's no way his cousins would have been involved in the burglary because that would require planning at a level of a god, not, you know, to, to, <laughs> a fit. so it's clearly, and, and I get, and I get yes. that that's possible what French is trying to do, but it goes on forever, you it know, does. it does, it does. It's not until the last 30 or 60 pages of the book that, that, that they, 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 they sort of look at him and go, what? We couldn't have done that. I mean, like, what do you mean, Toby?
1: And, and, and I get, he, no. That. And again, it always comes. It comes back to that. This is a story being told years after, and he will yeah. interject when I guess it suits the narrative to to, to offer these um, little one mots of you know. Well, I didn't understand them, but I know now that kind of thing. But he won't do it at so many
0: other times when he should have. I mean, this, there have. had to be another way to get Toby into the house looking after Hugo. There had to be another way than than what they did, because the whole point is that Toby's entitled, he's privileged. Yeah, he's got the luck of the Irish. Uh, you know, he's constantly falling on his feet, and the, the entirety of this novel is to by both literally mm. with baseball bats and uh, or whatever, and uh, and figuratively remove his feet, remove that his stability. I Think it was a candlestick. <laughs> it might have been. Well, I think he used a candlestick, but yeah. but, but to remove, but then it got used on him. But anyway, yeah, to remove that privilege and sense of entitlement. That's the whole point of the book. Gotcha, understood. And I There's guess to lot-
1: question the idea of, of luck, like Toby thinks, he, yes. and this is how the book opens and it closes, is this idea that he believes he's just is and always has been a, a lucky person and once this luck is taken away from him, what what does that make him? You know, and, and look, it, it does it quite well and especially the cousins are quite good at their, some of their barbed, com- smoothly barbed comments, um, you know, that you're not, you're not, you're not an inherently lucky person. You happen to be a straight white man who's quite
0: wealthy or at least, you know, in the upper stratus. And good-looking, and good-looking. And good-looking, and that's and was, why. And was one of the popular kids lucky. at school. You know, yeah, that's you, were why a you're. Ki- you were the popular kids at school, uh, so when everything that was happening was happening, uh, you could easily turn a blind eye to it or just shrug it off mm. because it didn't really matter to your life, even though it was happening to yeah. us, the cousins. And, and 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 I get all that. And all that's there, but as you say, in between those moments, it's just a lot of nothing. Yeah, I actually didn't mind the genealogy stuff. Uh, although again, I thought I s- Hugo and the geneal.
1: I to be but honest, again, I, I thought, had- it, but it's
0: pointless. What's it beyond giving Hugo something to do? I didn't get what it what role it played. I mean, I must be missing something. Please explain.
1: I I, I don't know. I mean, um, maybe look. I know I, <laughs> I guess it's to do with the fact that you know. Um, so Toby is questioning who he is now because he's, he's lost oh, great okay. swathes of his memory, yeah. so he can't remember who, who he is, what might have happened years ago. Obviously this has come back at some point or he's confident enough about it to, to piece together what other people have told him as well as bits of his, 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 his own memory that has returned. Um, and Hugo's work is about digging into the past for people who, who may not end up being who they thought. You know, I may not actually be the great great granddaughter of this man. I may actually be the great granddaughter of this other person. And what does that do if you're not actually descended from the family you thought you were? And, and no, if family enough. is important to you, you know, how, how do you define your sense of self? You know, that sort of thing. And, and Hugo says that explicitly a couple of times. You know, part of like the work that he does, there's some sensitivity to it because sometimes he is going back to a person and going, well, actually, um, the woman you thought was your grandmother. Uh, maybe it was your grandmother, but it wasn't your mother's mother. Your mother was taken away from your actual grandmother at a very young age because your actual grandmother married out or didn't marry at all, had a baby out of wedlock, and this thing happened. So actually your your actual grandmother is this other woman who you've never known and maybe she's dead now. So, it, you know, Hugo's work, any genealogical work, anyone who mucks around on Ancestry.com and so on, you know, it has the ability to to upend your your sense of your, yourself if you tie very closely with who your family is and where you're descended from, is that, if that is a very strong part of who you think you are and that gets changed or taken away. So I think that's where the parallel is coming from with Toby. So Toby's sense of self is not coming from um, his family so much as his idea that he is this. Well, two things. He thinks he's lucky and he also thinks he's a really nice guy, like a really good person, and the book quite successfully sort of questions that all, all the way through. Yes, Just but, not
0: engagingly. No, and, and, and part of the other issue, and I haven't got to the thing that really annoyed me, and I think it mm. may be the same thing that annoyed you, but we'll, we'll see. Um, part of it is that it, it's also, to me, well, she, there's that unreliable narrator thing, and and, and and over time Toby's wondering, shit, maybe did I kill him? Mm. I think his name, I've even forgotten the name. Uh, of Dom, I think, Dom, Dominic? Dom, Dominic. Did I kill Dominic? Is it, my, um, is it me? At no point did I ever believe that. No, that it I never believe believed. I knew that. it was the cousins. I knew it was the cousins. At least one of them, but but I knew it was probably both of them mm-hmm. in some way. And and again, it takes forever to finally get to that revelation that yes, the cousins are the ones that killed Dominic because Dominic was an asshole. Who? Uh, well,
1: here is the interesting thing, and this is one of the things I I thought think Dom-
0: pulled, think- I pulled
1: the rug out from under this book. Yeah, and unfortunately, because because I think what the book is saying by the end, with all the emails that uh, Toby discovers that he has actually sent as a as a kid to, to Dominic. I think what the book is saying is that actually, no, Dominic wasn't a, a a vile potential rapist. He was still an asshole because like there's no disputing what he did to Leon, which was harass and assault Leon because he was gay um, in high school. But the idea is that okay, maybe he wasn't a potential rapist or or, or you know creep or anything to, to Susanna because He'd he'd received these emails from Toby, someone he, who, who he thought was from Susanna, yeah. saying, "Oh, actually, I, I really like you, and I really like this behaviour that you're doing, and and uh, we should keep this happening. And in public, I will, you know, act upset and won't like you and everything. But I actually still want you to to essentially harass me and then potentially rape me. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is that and why you know I had no trouble believing Dominic was this. Horrible person. I don't know why the book makes that apology, and I don't know why. Like clearly, it makes Toby worse. What Toby did worse, because and he didn't think, he didn't know, or he says he didn't know quite the extent of Dominic's harassment of his cousin. Um, But certainly, his this intervention for for a joke with sending this guy emails um, has obviously made that worse, and and possibly been almost completely responsible for Dominic's harassment.
0: That Toby didn't kill Dominic, but potentially was the catalyst to to his death. And
1: therefore he is responsible. Yes. But, I mean, to do that, you take away what Dominic did to Susanna. You know, you take that away and say, actually, he wouldn't have done any of that. He wasn't a rapist. He wasn't a a serial harasser of women. And I don't know that you need to excuse that to try to make Toby worse. Yeah. Because if the idea is that Toby is just blissfully unaware of, of, you know, people around him because he's in this bubble of privilege and luck, as he puts
0: it. Um,
1: Why do you need him to have done the emails? Isn't that bad enough?
0: Also given you're about to do a thing, which I just did not make sense to me, where he kills the police officer Rafferty, whose name I do remember.
1: I don't think it made sense to Tana French either because (laughs) she could (laughs) – she couldn't come up with a reason for him to do it. She had to hand wave it. She had to hand wave it to say he said something to me. Then I don't remember what it was. I still don't remember what it was. All I remember is I wanted to punch him as he was saying it, and then when he finished saying it, I did punch him, and that led to this. So, 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 let's. let's
0: so the way the way I tried to understand it was that this is this is going back to the reason why he was burglar. Well, this goes back to the burglary. Mm. Tr- he's PTSD. He's f- traumatized. has yep. said something that's triggered him at the end of the novel and he's somehow because he's not f- that fit toby and rafferty's a you know fully fledged yeah fit cop somehow is able to kill him i mean there's a bit of tripping and, it, it over rocks me- and it, but the whole thing is just ludicrous yeah because because it just is it, why is it there i don't I and it, it also understand. feels
1: like and Rafferty, who is the detective who's been investigating the um the body in the witch elm, as opposed to the other detective, Martin, who is investigating Toby's assault. Um Rafferty's been a fairly professional, a very professional detective. He's been doing his job. Yes. Um I don't that whole fight felt like I can get Toby's side of it and whatever triggered him okay i don't i don't believe that's how rafferty would have handled that situation
0: yeah he would have tried to disarm him and he then would have tried to well, disarm well,
1: him um get him in some kind of restraining headlock. lock which yeah, he would be yeah. trained to do yeah. um and as you said he's a big fit guy toby's still very at this point physically weak and the yeah. fight just seemed very
0: long and drawn out and not it seemed like a fight between just two People. And again, it seems to be people. aimed killing Rafferty. seemed to be aimed at a way of again showing that uh, Toby mm. lives in a world of privilege and luck because he's able to get off uh, yeah. a, a murder charge, etc. Via, I mean, they have to sell the house and blah blah blah. And it does, and his life does is ruined. But he's not ruined in the same way as possibly well, he, a person, his, a person of colour who'd be forty years in prison. The thing you know, is, his life that. is only
1: ruined. It's not ruined by his murder of Rafferty. It's ruined yeah. but It just. It still goes back to that first break in and assault, which nearly killed him. The, the thing about Rafferty doesn't do anything
0: because he gets off. He, he like he doesn't go to prison, uh, and he. Still- well, that's why I thought French was trying to make a point there that what that that, that privileged people are still mm. going to find their way around the system even if they're at their lowest ebb. You know, they still get off. They still make it yeah. through. But but if that is the point, I still don't. I, that just I don't know. I the whole thing lost me it, it it already lost me by then the the, the murder of Rafferty just it, it was just just a the cherry on top of what I thought was a yeah frustrating book to read it,
1: it was a frustrating book and I guess the the murder of the detective at the end what where that really irked me the most is so you've got again you've got this memoir written by a person many many years after the the primary events of this book have happened and decades after the Backstory event has happened, and he hasn't actually changed at all or recognized anything. Like it's been eight hundred pages of and so, yeah. Like because <laughs> exactly. by the end yeah. of it, he's still going. You know, oh, like he's he's the whole thing that that's changed is he doesn't see himself as lucky anymore, which he which he did, but he is still lucky. Like he's had all his legal bills paid. He's still got the wherewithal to to live and have a home, even though he's obviously got post-traumatic stress disorder and he he can't stay in one place for very long because as soon as it becomes too familiar, he has to leave for, you know, psychological reasons. But, you know, like his family was there to support him and did support him. There was um, capital and assets within the family that could, Pay for his legal defence and his, you know, re- recovery as much as possible without bankrupting the family. Yep. Like, um, you know, no one's living on the street. No one's living in a council flat now because they spent every literal last dollar they had trying to get their son,
0: cousin, so on, out of this. Even his ex girlfriend sticks around for a bit, sends him letters until they yeah. pay her off. But you know, it's yeah. you everything's amicable. So, it's all amicable.
1: He's still really lucky. Yeah. yeah. He's still really – I mean, even after the assault, he's lucky that he has this place to go to. He's lucky that because he can't work, he's suddenly kicked out of his his flat because he can't, can't pay his rent or his mortgage. God, even
0: his, bo- even his boss. Even his boss. Once going- he's back, like, like you know, there's yeah. this whole thing about since you've been gone, Toby, our Twitter has just been, uh, yeah, you know, a couple of
1: and, – And maybe that's the point of the book, but it just felt – it felt so long to get to no point at all. There's like – there doesn't seem to be a lot of personal growth for Toby. He's not very engaging as a character from the start and for me didn't never really became engaging. I was more interested in
0: the secondary characters around him. Well, you know, he's well one of the things is he's self-destructive. Well, he's going to just, whether he's self-destructive that's debatable, but he's going cuz he's told us essentially, yeah. we know it's all going to go downhill. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's very hard to root for him. Because um, we know he's just going to keep, yeah, and he actually causes a lot of it himself. He does. He's going to keep throwing grenades in his path. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I, you think, oh, just fuck you, mate. Basically, <laughs> it's that. Like, like I just, I just got tired of him. I got tired of him as a, as a character I, I don't I didn't get what he like, mm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't. At the end of the book, it was just like, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I felt I felt a lot of sympathy for him in in a lot of places but by the end of the book he's he's like there there was no there did not seem to be any personal growth for this character there was no even kind of the hint of a realization about anything about himself really like all of the the end bit it's all again it's all still just going back to Toby and the assault that happened that changed his life there's not even anything in that last like epilogal section where he seems to have any remorse for the fact that he killed this detective for no
0: reason he killed yeah, this well, he killed this man yeah exactly for no reason he does mention briefly oh i've killed him and he would have had he'd have kids yeah i know
1: but but that's wife. it it's like it's like this very pat what you say yeah you know but in when he's talking about the the trauma that he feels and everything, the fact that he murdered a person, when he's spent a third of a novel agonizing over the fact that he may or may not have killed Dominic and what kind of human being does that make him if he can kill someone, he's just killed someone and it doesn't seem to affect him. Yeah, it's a very And it's like any more character. than the original assault affected him and it, you'd think maybe that would put it in perspective. I almost died. I just killed someone who did die.
0: You know, you, like there's, 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 no perspective there. There's no, like I said, it's, it, 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 it's, it's very solipsistic. It, it, it's, it's him and yeah. him alone, and that's it. And that is and, a really
1: grating character to sit in the head of
0: five hundred <laughs> pages, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, it's
1: with, with no, with no light at the end of the tunnel. With no, I it's not like I want him to have this fully redemptive arc, but I want there to be some some change and there just was no change from beginning to end. And it comes back to, again, it, it feels like the book is, has um, not cheated but just withheld too much because, again, this is about, this is written by someone, this is written by the person we see at the end of the book. Yeah. When you think about the person at the end of the book and his situation and how he describes himself, it doesn't any, it no longer feels like, the narrator of this book that we've just read, yeah, and look, I, and I it has been, to have been because that's when it's written.
0: I think we should move on, but yes, <laughs> but yeah. The more you keep saying, it, the more I realise that there is foreshadowing within the text, mm. but no self reflection mm, in the text. No, like, only,
1: only really... when it's only when it's there to to provide something that the narrative needs. Otherwise, yes. there's no self reflection.
0: Correct, because because you would think he'd have questioned his Surely. original his original hypothesis that either Susan or Leon got two guys to break into his house that that would have been questioned like if he was writing this but, in
1: yeah but you can't have, question respected. it you can't question it within the narrative because that undermines the narrative but the thing is correct. you've already been undermined because we know it's not there
0: <laughs> correct correct <laughs> it's, like I said, it's, it's just
1: is. i think like I really like the idea of the book. I like, As I said, I read that that blurb on Goodreads. It's like, I want to read that book. That book sounds really good. Um, I think this book was, it was too long and the structure was really odd. I don't think you needed to tell it as a retrospective memoir. You could have told it from within the front story because um, it's a triple-layered thing when you think about it. You've got the story. You've got the actual present day, which is several years after Toby was attacked and spent all that time at the Ivy House. And then you've got that thing he's talking about, which is your primary story, the attack, the the time at the Ivy House, Hugo's death, the murder investigation. And then you've got the third layer, which is the actual backstory that underpinned the finding of the skull at the Ivy House and why that happened. You did not need that top layer. Just have the two. It's fine. It works well. This kind of reminded me of um, The Secret History by Donna Tartt in that it's got that. Multi, you know, but the the Donna Tart book doesn't have that. Like, it's just the two layers. It's now and then, now and then. And yes. um, as as we know, re- re- listeners, if you remember, so if you were listening back that far, we talked about the secret history. And um Kirsten did not like that book so much at all on a second reading. Loved it when I was in my when it first came out, um and I was in my early thirties, I think. And on a second reading, it's like, ah, oh, it's not so good because. <laughs> <It's, laughs> the characters are just really annoying and frustrating and the main character doesn't really go anywhere or change and I th- and and again you've got this like framing story like here we are now many years after the event but but with the secret history it was that's what it was it was the back and forth this one has like three layers and i don't think you needed that front layer it would have had a lot more narrative drive and a lot more of you know the reader questioning where Toby was going with this and what he really did remember and what he really did do. And then, I, I mean, I don't know where you end that book. I don't know where you get the, you know, the, the satisfying wrap-up in in that book. But there wasn't a satisfying wrap-up for me in this one. So.
0: <laughs> so, and again, and we'll end here, mm. this is not an indictment on the Dublin Murder Squad.
1: No, Just- no, no. It's this particular novel. And look, that said, all of that said about the Witch Elm, I am quite interested in reading um, at least the first one of those. I think it's called In the Woods. which yes. like Tana French's Murder um, Squad books because that sounds really, really good. And I've you know in reading around the Witch Elm, I've, I've heard lots of good things. And I had heard over the years lots of good things about Tana French, and she's an author I just kind of never got to. And I am still interested in going back and reading at least one or two of those because her writing itself on a sentence level is really beautiful. She's got a, a wonderful, concise way of writing. When she needs to be, um, she she can turn a phrase just gorgeously. Her dialogue's impeccable. There's so much to like about her writing. I'm, you know, this book has not burnt Tana French for me. Same, <laughs> if, um, if anything, I am more interested in reading some of her other books.
0: That's the same here for me. Yeah. So let's go from a very long book to a very short book. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> I I'd had to read is- two. <laughs> Which is essentially a quarter of the length. Uh, it's My Phantoms by Gwendolyn Riley, and I picked this <clears throat> because I'd read uh, Gwendolyn Riley's First Love back in twenty seventeen. I'm going to say, and I loved it. And she's just, and I, but I didn't. She's written seven novels, and I've only read that one. And I then didn't read her next, but so I felt bad about that. So I've read this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point I intend to actually go back.
1: I, I'm sure she's so sad. She's sitting at yes. home going, I really wish Ian Moore had read that, that <laughs> one in between. I'm so, so sad.
0: So I will, um, yeah, I will go back and not just read that, but read her whole uh, her, her whole bibliography because she's, I, I think she's amazing. And I think this book is amazing. It's very, it's so different. It's, a,
1: <laughs> it's also yeah. a first-person narrator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and also a retrospective
1: also written as uh yeah written as kind of a, a memoir
0: and you could argue not, of, not
1: of the author sorry that that may have been misleading i'm not saying it's it's fiction but the the narrator of this book is is yeah. very deliberately crafting uh, uh like a, a memoir of, of her, her childhood compared to her present day
0: yeah and you could also argue that like toby bridget also doesn't Grow as a character. In fact, it's us. The re- this is this is the thing I'm going to talk about. But but it's very different. I was left far less annoyed. Uh, but anyway, let me read. <laughs> it's the- a lot
1: shorter. To be fair, if my phantoms was was 500 to pages then. long, I would be as irritated and frustrated by Bridget. <laughs> I am by Toby and be like, this book could be much shorter. (laughs) Thankfully, it
0: is. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let me read the back. Uh, Bridget's mother is dying, (laughs) an extrovert with few friends who has sought intimacy in the wrong places, a twice-divorced mother of two now living alone, surrounded by her memories. Helen, known to her her acquaintances as Hen, has always haunted her daughter. Now, as together they approach the end, Bridget looks back on their tumultuous, tumultuous relationship the performances and small deceptions, and tries to reckon with the cruelties inflicted on both sides. With so little time left, can these two warring women find a bruised accord? So, I mean, that's making out. That's a bit more dramatic, far more dramatic than <laughs> it's the novel. A bit actually, more dramatic. <laughs> uh, the novel actually is because one of the one of the key elements is how passive aggressive both are. in, oh. in, in, in It is. It is. It is a portrait of passive aggressiveness, and yeah. Uh, and again, if you and this is where Riley is so smart. You're right. If this had been longer, or you know, double the length, you would just not be able to re- finish this book.
1: I mean, part of I know, like it, it may seem, um, I guess, superficial. I think maybe to talk about the length, but um, it really isn't because it's it's a part of the element of crafting a story. You need yeah. to know the type, the length of work your particular story will support, and this story wouldn't support a longer novel. Like it is a short novel because that's what the story is. Um, so if you, if you just wanted to pad it out for word count, it would destroy it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and, and what it would destroy is that 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 passive aggressive relationship mm. between mother and daughter, which is the way it's written. You, you it's so clever because you realise that Bridget is as much to blame as her mother for why the two of them. They're two very different people Mm. but still why they can't seem to connect. And I actually found it an incredibly funny novel as well. I don't know if you found it funny. Yeah,
1: well, I would say bleakly funny (laughs) but, yes.
0: (laughs) But Just like, for example, they they would have these yearly birthday lunches and and just – hearing uh, Bridget go on about all the miseries in her life which she seems to enjoy talking sorry, Hen, mm-hmm. sorry Hen, Helen sorry Helen Helen talking about all the miseries in her life which she seems to get a lot out of I mean there's one great line about how she goes to a talk and I think the speaker his microphone doesn't work and she loves it you know Helen Oh
1: right. yeah yeah she gets, she I think she thrives on Schadenfreude
0: Yes and 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 just and it's laughing I was laughing out loud partly also because Helen I shouldn't say too much, but let's just say this book resonated with me at a, at a family level, and I'm pretty mm. sure it will with a lot of others. That you, we, we all have a Helen somewhere in our lives, yeah. someone who really revels in when people are in a, in a bad way, but they themselves find it difficult to make connections because mm. probably they see the world in that way. But at the same time, what Riley does so well is that Bridget herself is no Pure person she, There's this bit Especially in the last Third where um, She's uh d- Hen desperately Wants to meet Bridget's Boyfriend partner a- And it's been years That they've mm. been together It's not like They've been together For a couple of months <laughs> Literally years mm. And B- Bridget will find Any excuse For them not to come together And when they do Eventually come together Because I think uh, Helen has a new boyfriend, She just
1: turns up On her doorstep Oh that's right She just
0: turns up That's right <laughs> I need to right.
1: go to the loo If you don't let me Into you I'm going to piss On your step <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's again very funny, um, and, and and you get this again this this horribly passive aggressive bit from the boyfriend about who does this sort of uh, examination of her mother, mm. uh, Bridget's mother, which is just oh yeah she's she's uh, she's all about her her worries is she? she's not she's a very a negative person. And we we did
1: think say that uh, Bridget's uh, partner is a, a psychoanalyst, so yes, yeah, so, he's so, coming yeah. from a professional place.
0: But 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 it just it just you think. Bridget, have you been fair to your mother? Is that yes, she clearly has flaws. But have you been fair? Mm.
1: It's I think Bridget is such a fascinating character. She, she's what what I liked about her, um, like as as I guess in, in terms of her 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 personhood, is she is she is so clear about her boundaries. She's so clear. Yeah. She oh, she that's has true. set her boundaries. Um, it's really refreshing to see, especially a female character or 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 a woman who has such very clear and clearly thought out boundaries um, and honors them. Like she's just and when uh, her when her sister to is, the
0: detriment of everything else, but yes, honors them
1: in some occasions. But but also it's like the example is when her mother's in hospital and her sister rings her up and says, "Well, you know." Um, can you go and spend some time with her? And she's like, yep, I can do this day and this day. And yes. she said, oh, it'd be better for me if you did the weekend. She goes, well, as I said, I can yeah. do this day and this day. It's like, oh, my God, go Bridget. But part of her boundary setting, I think, where where it does herself a disservice potentially is it's become so, like obviously it, it has come from a place of um, survival and self-defence with, um, you know, her childhood, especially her father who is a consummate asshole and we some of us may have people in our families who are exactly the same way and just you know he's he's just one of these people who self-aggrandizes all the time and he's obviously deeply deeply insecure about his own um, intelligence and education and social status so anyone who he perceives to be above him in any of that including his own child he's going to bring down um, and make fun of and, and and so on and he and he's awful so i think like clearly bridget's Boundaries and boundary setting behavior and all of that has, has come out of her childhood as a way to carve out a space for herself and for her own personal like development as, as a human being. Um, and, but as you say, she is often to her detriment to stick to them. But I think that's part of why she doesn't like she keeps her mother separate to her her partner. So her life with her partner is very separate to her mother. Her academic life is very separate. Like everything is is compartmentalized and has this very hard boundary around. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating to read, and and she often isn't doesn't seem cognizant of what she's doing in that. She she can't really explain it herself why she keeps her mother separate to her partner, except in that very, I just like to keep my world separate. Um, Like it's so interesting. It's so interesting. But isn't
0: that, that's the genius of the novel that she, she isn't self-reflective in that way. She can't explain it, but Mm. we can see it. Yeah. We can, we can see it really clearly. And I look, I do, I'm a little less uh, rah, rah, rah about her boundary setting. I understand where you're coming from, but like when, when her mother is ill, uh, has, and she says, no, I can't make those days. I'm not going, go, Bridget. I'm going, mm, it's your mother? I, I, you drop yeah, everything, but, don't you? But it, don't you well,
1: well, you might for your mother. I would for my mother. But Bridget and her mother, they don't have that
0: relationship.
1: She yeah, only, I, they I, only see each other once a year on her mother's birthday, Ian. They're not close. <laughs> yeah. I, yes, I, I
0: hear you. I hear you. Yeah, True.
1: You know, like it's a different relationship and it's, look, it's not a relationship I think is particularly healthy. Um, and I think these two women have, you know, they've, their relationship has formed when, you know, the, the daughters were born and were young children um, and then there was a divorce, a very ugly divorce, you know, there's a whole bunch wrong. But, but yeah, like at some point as adults you make the decision to either um try to find a way through that relationship and try to find a way to mend some areas and build an adult relationship with your parents that is healthy and satisfying to everybody, whatever that ends up looking like. Or or you don't. And you just say that that person is not someone I really care to have in my life in that way. I'll see them on their birthday. I will do the obligatory daughter thing. But let's face it if hen wasn't bridget's mother she wouldn't have her in her life
0: yes but the but again taking the view that this is a memoir written mm. after the fact etc there's an attempt here to understand her mother uh, obviously yeah. and so she cared enough she has she cares enough that she does want to try and understand what made her yeah. mother tick and and to start to pick apart the the times they did get together mm. and you know what, what was it? What and she does keep going around in circles. And her yeah. mother is the, it's the same thing: this negativity, this negativity um, yeah. that that, 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 that ke- keeps uh, dogging her mother that, that Bridget just simply can't deal with and can't swallow. Just as an aside, what I loved is how polite this book is. Polite. Like, so, so so no one ever swears really. But also when mm. when Bridget hears. Um, Something negative. It's all like, "Oh, you poor thing!" Or oh, oh it's very such a it's, oh,
1: it's very it's, English. It's very middle class yeah, English,
0: isn't it? Yeah, it is, <laughs> and it's in a way like you, 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 just there isn't one moment of pure, unmitigated anger in this. No, book. Bridget
1: it, is incredibly controlled. She is it's
0: an, so reserved.
1: Yeah, not not reserved. I would say controlled.
0: Okay, is there a difference?
1: I think so. I think you know she is as much as her her mother or the way her mother is presented as not not understanding herself and not understanding how she presents herself to the world and other people see her, I think Bridget understands that too well. And Bridget is very controlled about how she presents herself, how she moves about the world, how she interacts with people, even to the writing of this memoir. She's she's very controlled. I think reserved is it feels to me it's more a, um, it feels like more a personality trait, someone who is, you know, d- doesn't, um, p- not really through any any decision so much project themselves or, or force themselves on people. Whereas I think Bridget is just very, very, she controls every word she says, every, you know, even when she's having, like, she'll have a go at her mother to provoke her deliberately and she'll yeah. know she's doing it. And she says, I knew I shouldn't have said this, but I, I said it anyway, you know, because it was, it gave me some satisfaction. (laughs) This is a horrible relationship they have. And I just, you know, all the way through you're wanting there to be some, some kind of reconciliation, some kind of accord that they reach and they never do. And it's, it's just this portrait of this relationship as it is. And I think it it makes you think about there are some, there are just some relationships you have that are not going to be fixed. True, they're but not going to be. It's just they're just there. This is what they are. You can't fix them. You can't. You just can't.
0: And, 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 my, and the way I see it is that is that this is Bridget trying to understand why she never connected with her mother, and part and putting the blame to a degree on her mother, saying that her mother herself. It's not me, not me, Bridget. It's actually her mother because her mother never connected with really anyone. Mm. She had one friend. Mm. Um, her husbands uh, she got married or two, once, two or three times. Her husbands were all terrible. Um, the, the, the She would go out. So, so there's a, a thing that she's extroverted. She mm. likes to be around people, does Hen. Yeah. But, but never makes friends with any of them. Um, yeah. is, in fact, they, they sort of tease her, and 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 she delights in in the people she's around. <laughs> like, there's a line in the novel, in the book, about how she was so happy when one woman in her aqua thing course died. <laughs> she's, she's she delights in that. Actually, I, 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 I'll, I'll give you the line <laughs> because it so sums up. Uh, yeah, she was even more cheerful later on that night when she told me how a woman in her aqua aerobics class had died. <laughs> and so it's this, it's this constant thing about. Mm-hmm. her mother just cannot connect with it, with any other one else. so bridget's saying well it's not me it's certainly her but bridget herself doesn't who does she connect? connect? Who well she, she,
1: i think what's really interesting is the the novel the way it's written it reflects she, bridget has as much as she sets up boundaries and compartmentalizes and controls which parts of her life meets which other parts of her life she's doing that to us as the reader She wants to tell us about her and her mother and their relationship. So we don't get to know about anything else. And we only know about John peripherally because her mother, John's her partner because her mother brings it up saying, why can't I meet him, why can't I meet him? And he is only on the page when her mother is there as well. Like we don't get to see the rest of Bridget either. She is just as controlling of her borders around us, the person we're telling the story to. And what's fascinating is she doesn't seem to see how, that, you know, you, you, in human life and human relationships, those borders don't really exist. Like every part of your life bleeds into every part of your life and, and parts of your life that you think are unrelated will influence these other relationships. Um, certainly her, her relationship with her mother and father must influence
0: her relationship with John but we don't get to really see that. No, and, we, and her relationship with her sister. Her, si- I her sister as well, yeah. Ch- good chunks of the novel I forgot, not that the novel's mm. that long, I forgot that she had a sister. <laughs> her sister literally only appears when the mother falls over or is ill in some way because yeah. her sister is the one who actually takes most of the responsibility Yeah, and, and has more of a relationship with her mother. But it, it's amazing how it's just she has, you're right, she's completely compartmentalised. Yeah. And, just-
1: and I think and, and what's really interesting with this book is Riley it's not written in a way that you go well that yeah we should have been reminded that she had a sister Yeah, that's that's careless or why don't we see more of her and John I'd like to see Bridget fleshed out more this they're only just there when they need to be Um, it's it's not bad writing it's that is what Bridget is Bridget compartmentalizes her life She controls which parts touch other parts. She has circumscribed borders around relationships that she really doesn't, she doesn't care about her sister that much. They grew up without, you know, Bridget is a really, really interesting character. And she's one of these characters that you think um, when we we talk about that old chestnut about likeable characters, Bridget is an incredibly likeable character. Yeah. She's not a very likeable person, but as a yep. character she's she's so fascinating. She's so engaging. Not sure I'd want her in my friendship circle <laughs> or maybe yep. I would because I don't know what Bridget's like as a friend. We don't get to see that. <laughs> but she's so, she's just the most fascinating character and the book has such cohesion in how she is presented and this construction of this woman who has had a very emotionally stunted childhood and that, ironically, she's married an
0: analyst. Is it Um, ironic? Is it ironic (laughs) or is it it deliberate on her part? Maybe it
1: is. Um, You know, she's just got this very, yeah, as I said, she's, oh. Well, you forget that she's an academic.
0: And she's an you. academic,
1: yeah. But you forget
0: academic. that. I forgot it. Until it's she- not
1: part of the.
0: She nothing. Just,
1: she's like, here's a story about me and my mother. You yeah. don't get to see any of these other parts except how they may briefly come in and touch the story about me and my mother. And it's like, Bridget, that's not how life works. <laughs> <laughs> but she's just so comprehensively and unfalteringly written and, and drawn that she's, as I said, it doesn't feel like bad writing that you don't get these other bits fleshed out because that's not what Bridget's about. This was such an engaging book to read. It's short. It needs to be short. If this had gone on for twice the length it is without any resolution because what you said in the beginning is true. Bridget doesn't get to the end of this memoir and go, and now I really wish I'd been closer to my mother after she died. Like there is nothing. She's just, here is this relationship that I've looked at, that I've analysed to try to get, some more sense out of but that's it there's no regret that she and her mother weren't able to forge a closer relationship there's not a lot of acknowledgement apart from the the superficial that she probably had a significant part to play as an adult not as a child it's not a child's fault that the relationship with a parent is not good Um, but as an adult she doesn't acknowledge that there was possibly a significant role she had to play in what the adult relationship had become um and it's fine for this length because that is just a portrait of this relationship and these characters and as a portrait as a static portrait which is what it is you don't expect growth you don't expect a revelation or a redemption arc or anything like that yeah so so
0: and just, to, I just want to emphasise how clever this book is. Mm-hmm. Okay, So so the opening couple of sentences of the book, uh, and I'm just going to quote a couple of bits from the very opening, which is, I can't know what my mother was like at work. It's still hard to imagine or guess. She maintained that she hated her job. Everybody hates their job bridge. She used to say everybody does. And then just a bit lower down. If my questions were more than a feed, uh, more than a feeder, if I pressed a point, then my mother quickly got upset. She used to clam up as if she decided she was being duped or being lured into a trap. What is it? What's it to you? She used to say. Or why are you so fascinated? Sometimes she just put her arms over her head and say, "Stay still," as if in the playground game. She understood that being a statue put her beyond reach. And why I pick those? Because that's at the very start, mm. and we don't know. Putting hen aside, we don't know Bridget yet. Yeah. And what we have come to understand is that that applies to Bridget. As much as it applies to a mother. And, in fact, what they share, because it's a book about a lack of connection, mm. what they share is that, that inability to share. <laughs> 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 so, it's, and it's just there. It's it's seeded at the very beginning. And you talked about prologues and all that mm. with, uh, with The Witcher mm. and how that was clumsy and did, did, didn't help the book. Well, this is just so subtle and it's only when you've read the book you go, wait a moment, because that's what I did, go back to the start, go, <laughs> but see. also
1: also we, we are making we are making assumptions here. right? and what's really interesting is like she has put us the reader yes. in a box. Yes. Very a different box, but otherwise similar structured to the box she
0: keeps her mother in. Yes. We don't know what her relationship but, but, with. But, but, is like. We don't know what her wait a second. relationship she is says, like. She says I would my ask my mum questions yes. and my mum would not answer them. And, yep. and I have questions for Bridget, even me, Ian yep. Lund, you do too. Yep. And I'm pretty damn sure Bridget would not answer them. And, and, that's, and that's because she's know, put up.
1: Yeah, but, but what's really interesting is maybe we don't have the right to ask those questions. Because we're not her friend. We're not her partner. Like I am saying, we are making these assumptions about Bridget based on what she is choosing to tell us. And so you're he, saying. And she gets that- to make that choice. It's Like I'm okay. assuming her relationship with John must be very kind of a bit cold and, you know, they don't have a lot of D&Ms. But maybe their relationship is wonderful. Maybe she has a best friend who she has a really intimate relationship with. We don't know. We get to be in a box because she doesn't trust us Any more than she does her mother. She has no desire to get closer to us as, 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 as people, as potential friends or significant. I get it. As she does with her mother, so we don't get any of that. Like it's. I mean, it's just really
0: interesting. But but the idea that she doesn't trust us, just like her mother didn't trust her. I mean, yeah. Okay, I get you. I just. Look, it is it yes, you're right. I am making assumptions. You're right. That, that she might be but the, that's wife what the, of the party. But that is what She's, this book it does. Like like yes.
1: I, I'm making the same assumptions you are. But then I think about it and say, but it's but and in the same way that we are thinking Bridget's perception of her mother based on one visit a year and some phone calls can't really be fair, can't really be doing this woman justice. Maybe Bridget was the person this woman just whinged at because she couldn't make any other connection with Bridget. Maybe if we got Hen's story, Hen is like, "Well, whenever I talk to my daughter, I just always have to tell her the bad stuff. She's not interested in anything good. If I tell her something good, she just deflects." We don't know. And 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 Bridget like, "We are we are making the same <laughs> assumptions about Bridget as Bridget. Like it's just this wonderfully it's skillfully layered portrait of this and it's and it's a portrait of this relationship and i think yeah. that's what's really interesting it's not a portrait of either woman in 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 their complexity it is a portrait of this relationship and it is so well done it is just wonderful
0: yeah i i, I want to end on that note because i i, I just think if you haven't read winnell and riley you should get on to i'm speaking to the listeners now uh you should get on to <laughs> ms riley as soon as possible because she, she does this in first love as well. That's also about a toxic. Uh, whether you would call Bridge and Hen's relationship toxic is um, possibly yes. It's it's not great. That's that's for sure. But in first love, it's a genuine toxic relationship between a uh, 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 husband and wife, and it's but it's the way it's done. It's it's just incredible, and um, yeah, I actually. Kirsten, I'd be keen for you to read it because it's, it's,
1: it's I definitely want to read more of her work and I'm, I'm reliably told they're all fairly short.
0: So. They are. They are. <laughs> First Love's also, I think it's even shorter than this. So, more short books, yeah.
1: please. More short books. More concise, complex, rich, layered, but short books. I would be very happy with that.
0: And I want to say, I don't actually mind really long books.
1: If they can support themselves and a lot That's of right. them – like um the overstory a huge book but so layered and dense in a way that was just engaging the whole way through it never felt like I was reading a doorstopper which I was I'll just go back again you have you have a story that you want to tell The, the length of the story is something you need to determine with great skill because it can't be too short it can't be too long it has to be you need the Goldilocks zone for your story and you yeah. need to be able to identify that as an author. And we've all read books that are just way too long for the story they're trying to tell. And we've possibly read books that we think, you know what, there could have been a little bit more put in here. There could be a little bit more, you know, fleshing out of this particular aspect or we never we never saw that thing and we really should have seen that thing. So, like, the length is an element that is, you know, it's it's important. It's important to consider.
0: When you come across, when I come across, speaking as a non-writer, mm. uh, when I come across uh, an author like Riley who is able to do it, I just sit there in awe. I'm just in complete. I just don't know how. It's a magic trick to me.
1: Yeah, it's it's just beautifully concise. She just and and look, part of it is like creating this character of Bridget, where as a reader you you understand. Uh, what bridget is doing and you you don't have you, you just you just don't have the desire to to know more about her relationship with john or to know more about her work at the uni um or a similar story could could be told where you you had scenes of her at the university with her colleagues you, you could yeah. have scenes of her with john at home talking about her mother and debriefing and all of that stuff and it wouldn't be this book it yeah. might be good but it wouldn't be this book but because of the way that it's written and so immediately crafted we don't miss that as a reader because we don't expect it, and and that's like it's subtle, but it's one of the great achievements of this book to to flag to your reader early on what they're not going to get, so they don't expect it and they don't miss it.
0: Yep, yeah. no, it's brilliant. Okay, let's let's finish up. Let us um, finish up. So next episode is in April. Uh-huh. The books we're going to be doing um, is Shit Cassandra Saw by Gwen E Kirby, which I chose. S title. And- it is. It's a short story collection, I believe. They both uh, are. Oh, okay, cool. And I would haunt you if I could by Sean Padreac Burney. So both short story collections, and yes. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to both of them. So uh, they're oh, yes. be good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just want they better be interesting. That's ha- I'm happy with interesting. But um, no, I'm I'm looking forward to to both of those. Um, I love short stories. Listeners will know. I
0: love 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 short stories. So, and you've got and you just uh, got a couple published, which is nice. I think you got one published recently. Well,
1: I I have had that. a short story published in the Dark magazine, um, which is one of my favourite markets. They they publish such interesting and the work.
0: the title of the story is The Shrine. Uh, is it just the t- just Shrine? Can I add the 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 no, definitive
1: article? The definitive article does something different, especially with dark fiction. It's just Shrine. Okay. <laughs> it's also the most recent story I've written. I only finished it last um, December, I think. Although oh, oh, I started it in 2009 when I went back and looked at my records. It's a re- really long gap between start and finish.
0: Wow. Okay. 13 years. Christ. <laughs> I, know, yeah. okay. I
1: know. I know. I, I, I couldn't find the story back then, but I, I found it last year and I thought I must, And now I know what the story is, I will sit down and write it. And I did. So I'm really, and- really happy it's found a home.
0: So, uh, Kirsten, if you're okay, uh, you might want to put a link to it because I think you should.
1: Okay, I will put a link to it in the show notes. Thank you,
0: Good. Ian. No <laughs> problem. I'll, I'll give you permission. Uh, so please send feedback by commenting on the website, writerandcritic.podbean.com, send an email to writerandcritic at gmail.com, or you can follow us. And I am actually looking at the Twitter account, at yeah. writerandcritic on Twitter. Yes, I am. Um, and sponsor us on Patreon if you can. We always uh, are in love with our Patreon sponsors. Um, I think they're was, just called was, patrons. Patrons, yeah. that's yeah, And that was terribly tortured, what I just said then. Anywho, that's it for us. Uh, another month gone. I don't have much more to say, really. I mean, I could do a little tune if you want. We don't need out. to do that. That's fine. You did one at the beginning.
1: It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Happy See reading. You
0: all. Bye.
1: Now, just wait.
0: I'm not doing a thing. You know me, I don't touch until you tell me to.